Hi, everyone. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I am your host, Natalie Kra. How are you? I hope you're having an amazing day wherever you are. Thank you so much for coming back to the show for one more episode. Today, I'm here to share with you an interview I recently did for the Fit for Joy podcast with host Valeria Tellis. In this conversation, we had so much fun. We talked about many uplifting and interesting topics. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm sending you so much love. This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. When we skip the beginning phases of anything in life, we forget to gift ourselves the beginner's mind. The beginner's mind is where we connect with our inner child. Valeria Tellez interviews Natalie Croix, the author of Living Life in Light, A Yogi's Journey. Natalie Croix has been on the spiritual and healing path since childhood. She is constantly finding ways to deepen her practice and teachings of yoga, movement, and Shakti Prana energy through investigation and inspiration from her mentors, her students, the community, and nature. Natalie is the founder of Light Code, Living a Life in Light, a series of online coaching programs. She is an author, an intuitive transformational healer, and life coach. She is a student of A Course in Miracles with Marianne Williamson, leading retreats around the globe and teaching workshops on healing and life enhancement. She serves as a life coach and spiritual guide by mentoring students experiencing challenging life situations. Her method is uplifting and practical as she accesses all situations from a spiritual perspective and provides tools for transformation. Natalie is the author of Living Life in Light book, the founder and creative director of the Shanti Yoga Training School, offering 200-hour and 300-hour yoga teacher certifications, and is an E-R-Y-T 500-hour certified master yoga teacher and trainer with Y-A-C-E-P. Meet Natalie at nataliequa.com. Here is the interview with Natalie Kwa. In your own words, who is Natalie Kwa? Oh my God. Okay. That really caught me off surprise. Um, <laughs> Natalie Kraut, uh, you know, it's so interesting because that's such a big question, right? Like who is a person? It's so many things. For one, I'd like to say I really have always considered myself since I was a kid, or I should say maybe teenager, you know, when I started having some awareness, citizen of the world. That's the first thing that comes up. I grew up in living in many different countries, traveling. I went to like one time I counted like 12 schools or 11 or 13, something like that. You know, many schools in different countries, friends from all different races, you know, speaking four different languages with a mother from Brazil, a father from France. Like, you know, so that's my life. And I've always, I I never really thought that the world was different. To me, the world was always diverse, diversity. And, uh, you know, and besides that, yeah, all the stuff that I know, you know, yoga and meditation, healthy healing. But I was also a fashion model when I was young. I mean, you know, there's so many different aspects of 
one human, you know, sometimes sad, sometimes happy, you know? Right. Oh, yes, I do know. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> thank you for the question. Yeah, thank you, Natalie, for your answer, your wisdom. It makes me think about the idea that some human beings have that judgment that we sometimes judge others because they're different. So what do you think are the obstacles to seeing life the way you do or the way perhaps I do too? That's a very good question. Um, Okay, so maybe I'll start with a conversation I was having earlier today with a friend of mine that people, human beings have so many parameters. I know I don't know if you say it like that, but like I'm thinking like, like a box. Like you are told that this is good, this is bad. You know, you are told all these things and you believe it. And sometimes it's coming from a good place. It's not like you're doing this to hurt anybody, but you really believe it. Like, for example, the conversation started this morning. It was uh, about different animals, animals. Like there are friend these friendships you can look up on YouTube or every- anywhere on Google of different animals, of different species, building and creating these friendships for life, like lifelong friendships, like, right? There's this cow that was really good friends with this dog. It's all over the internet, you know? But when you talk about diverse, that happens with human beings too. Like with humans, it's like skin color or nationality. But when you, this is because we're conditioned. We're preconditioned to these thoughts and these beliefs because we were told maybe generations, maybe it was like grandfather's grandfather, you know, and it comes on down through the bloodline that, oh, okay, here's a turtle and you're not supposed to have a relationship with a turtle, but says who? Mm. Once we understand that we are vibrational beings and once we understand that there's infinite amounts of possibilities, whether it's with, you know, other judgment of other people or animals or other beings. We understand that, you know, it's really there's infinite amounts. You can become best friends with a turtle. You can become best friends with an animal, you know, or or with another human that comes from another religion, another country, another background, another, you know, belief system. So I think it's all in our head in that to answer your question, I think those are the those are the barriers. It's all in our mindset. But it once we remove that that veil, the thin veil, then you're open. So when you speak of conditionings, that makes me think about healing and healing methods. Getting to the subject of your book and what do you do? So your book is titled "Living Life in Light: A Yogi's Journey." Talk to me about that for a moment. Yeah. So, you know, the book is really, um, it was an expression of a lifelong of me being this. I've always felt for me, you know, everybody has their own. I I just sort of, even when I was 12 and 13, the things that really I was passionate about was like consciousness and, you know, and meditation. And uh, I would understand that if I went into nature and I could communicate maybe with the trees. So then I came across yoga and I, you know, went to India for four trips, studied Ashtanga with the Ashtanga master, Sri K. Patabi Joyce, did all these yoga teacher trainings. But at the same time, besides teaching yoga and all that, I also, um, you know, again, the theme of open, I was very open and curious, I should say curious, you know, about other things, like, what are other things that can heal the spirit, the body, the mind, spirit, and understanding that this is consistently changing, this always changing, it's never static, it's not like, oh, I did this yoga today, check, got there. No, you know what I mean? Yes. It's like yeah. life is life happens, you know, <laughs> people come, people go, people die, people separate, you do this, you lose that. And so you it's like what but just like we the way I see it is like just like we go and we get a haircut, just like we go and you know, you you have to take care of your car. You also have to take care of your energy field. So what are the question for me was always like, what are the things that maybe are not so obvious, right? But that that they do make a huge impact, not only on myself, but on humanity as a totality. 
And also understanding that if I heal myself, I therefore will heal people around me. And I think that's, so that made me on a journey, I should say that, you know, on a journey to like discover different healing modalities like Reiki and tea ceremony and, you know, even like massage or therapy for some people or sound healing. You know, there's a lot of things. I say this because my book, Living Life in Life, lists a lot of different things, including earthing and grounding and, you know, different healing modalities. But I feel all of that is so I'm passionate about it, but I also think it's necessary, you know, for everybody. Yeah. To create harmony, I would say. Yeah. I, I love that word. Perhaps balance. Do you use balance or harmony? Love both of words. I love, I always go back and forth between both those words, but I think balance is so great, especially when we think of today's world, you know, there's so many different things going on. And even like, like you and I were very connected online and we love this, but it's also nice the balance to get away from it and go to the woods or mm. go swim in the ocean, you know, yeah. it's like so many things that we can do. Um, but then we don't have to do all that. We can also use the internet and teach online. And I'm open to the different things. If we can find that balance and I love the harmony because harmony also to me brings this thing of like beauty mm, don't you think yes yeah absolutely yeah, <laughs> inspires beauty it makes me think about nature nature itself. me too me too i love nature by listening to you and the way you have searched for deeper understanding and change and healing i wonder what makes us want to change and me and meaning also, right? And meaning, right, right. All of course. That. Yeah, what makes us want to change? I think it's every human being has their own story and everybody's story needs to be validated because there's only one of you and I don't think there's a better way. It's like everybody's way has their own way. For me, I think that in my case, the reason why, you know, I look back now, it's challenging because sometimes... Uh, well, I, I should say this, I should sit in, sometimes I sit in meditation now because I'm like, okay, how did this all start? Because I started at such a young time that sometimes I'm looking back, you know, 30 years ago and I'm like, how did this start? But here's what I've come into the conclusion, my rational mind this is what I think, right? Is uh, when I was a child, we moved a lot from different countries and we moved also like uh, different schools, sometimes in the same country, different state, whatever. So even though I had a very loving mother and in my case, stepfather and my father was there around too, like I had loving parents, but we moved a lot. So it was very hard for me. Uh, I always felt like I was ripped away from my, my uh, childhood friends. You know, I had people I was very attached to when I was nine years old, 10 years old. And all of a sudden, I'd be so sad, so sad. And the one thing, so I felt a little lost with that. And I felt like I was lacking stability. And again, trauma is another thing that's so different from ever. Like this, something that could be a trauma for a child, perhaps is not a trauma for another child. You know, this doesn't mean every, I'm not saying that this is not good for every kid. I'm saying I was a sensitive kid. I felt it. And I think when I found yoga and meditation, it really grounded me and it gave me this stability that I didn't feel like I had. And that was sort of the, the, the beginning of like, okay, why am I here? Why are we doing this? Why am I getting on these airplanes all the time? I'm having this like little midlife crisis, but like when I'm like nine or 10 years old, you know? right. <laughs> and That's I'm like, cute. and then I start like thinking, yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know, asking these hmm. really big questions. And the thing is, when you ask questions, the universe will present itself to you. It will give you the answers. It might take a while, but it will come. When you speak of stability, and then we just talked earlier about balance and harmony, do you connect all this to finding inner peace? Yes, but again, that's such, a, I, I totally connect with that inner peace, right? But what is inner peace for me mm. might not be inner peace for somebody else. 
you see, it's so interesting, these things, because because I grew up, you know, traveling like that so much until I was like, you know, in my 20s, that early, early mid 20s, that then I then when I became an adult adult, like I'm talking more like 30s and now 40s, I don't really like for me, inner peace is I want to be home. I like to be home with my garden, with my animals and grass. I don't really crave traveling that much. In fact, I don't even like to get on airplanes anymore. So it's very cha- it, it's challenging because I have family in Brazil. So I want I do want to go see them. But the whole idea of like going somewhere kind of stresses me out versus like you look at somebody else, even before pandemic, you know what I mean? But you look at somebody else and somebody else, some of my friends when they were in their 30s finally becoming an adult, getting a little more money. Oh my God, now I can see the world. I find so much joy in these adventures, joy. I find inner peace. I'm going everywhere. And it's the opposite, you see? But they're both equally good and amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. And I never thought it this way. This definition of inner peace being that change for everyone, that is something to reflect upon. And I know what you mean, that inner peace also begins inside, right? Yeah, yeah. Furthermore, yes. I think I connect inner peace to acceptance, just being in acceptance of what is happening in the moment, the way it's happening, the way you are behaving or speaking or doing, it doesn't really matter. It goes back to acceptance, to embracing, let's say, to might be another word, embracing like life that- as a whole. Radical acceptance, maybe. Oh, I yeah, that. I love that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you speak about that in your book. And I absolutely love yeah. this concept, this idea of embracing it all. And you know, Valeria, what I'm thinking too is like equanimity. Mm-hmm. You know that word like oh, in yes. Buddhism that comes a lot. So that's a, to me, it's a, I equate inner peace, inner inner peace with, a lot with like equanimity because it's that thing that you become less reactive. You it's just, you know, it's more a state of serene, which is, cha- I mean, as you, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know if you know, but it's challenging for me. <laughs> it's challenging for a lot of people I work with. Yeah. What is enlightenment to you, Natalie? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's a big question. So, you know, I've heard of so many different, different perspectives of enlightenment since I started on journey and discovering even when I was in my teens and then 20s and going to India and talking to gurus and talking to, you know, enlightened masters and what is enlightenment. And then I've, you know, coming to a place that you are uh, completely free. This is what I've heard. One, I'll give you a few variations, like completely free from, you know, any more karma or worries or anything that brings you down or reaction. You just feel very expensive, like expensive, that you're a multidimensional being, that you're completely have, you find this freedom, that you really understand what life is all about. You have this wisdom about you and this huge light. And then there's this concept that you can from there transcend and decide in, in the yogi principles. It's like you could decide that you never come back to earth, that you just like done, right? That's this maybe is your last life. And from there on, like, who knows, maybe your spirit joins the universe or nature or all things. But it could also be there's another form of enlightenment that I love this is that you could also choose to come back to earth to then you you learn through many lives. You had many experiences and you cleared all everything, you know, all your karmas, all your things, you clear, clear. And then you come back to share that light and that love through teachings you know, with other people or podcasts or what, however it is your expression, but you can come back and you can share that light. That's a choice that an enlightened being could have. And then there's another way that I see enlightenment. And I, I teach this to my students is that you, I, I really believe that there's a very big possibility that every human being can experience enlightenment while still alive. Like you have glimpses of enlightenment. So Sometimes if you go to a yoga class and you have really good practice, I know because yogis can relate to this a lot. And then at the end, you're like, oh, my God, you know, and it's like that yoga glow that they say, well, to me, that is enlightenment. It's a part. It's a piece of that light. 
And there's so many different things in life that can happen. Maybe a mother having her child be born. And in that moment, there was a sort of enlightenment. You know, maybe I've heard in the passing of a loved one, how sacred it is if you can sit with someone while they are taking their last breath. That could be a form of enlightenment. You know, like even your relationship, like your love for your dog in those moments. So I think enlightenment comes in different forms. Do you connect these ideas to what you call live in light? I think it's called samadhi, right? You mentioned in your book. Is that all related in a way? Yeah, in a way, yes. I mean, samadhi is kind of like the ultimate when you reach this sort of enlightened level. But then like um, in Buddhism, they call it nirvana, you know, so different way. There's different names for it. But okay, I can tell you what living life in light is about that title. That is this, is that everything that you do um, is either creation or you're either destroying or creating. Another way to look at it, you're either connecting to the light or you're disconnecting to the light. I don't like say connecting to darkness, but like disconnecting from the light. But as being a human being, part of being a human being, having this human experience is that of course, we're not going to always live our life in light. It's just not, you know, for most of us, maybe some people, they figured it out. They're like, you know, complete saints. And I'm sure there are people like that on earth. But, you know, for most of us, we're, we, we have better days and worse days and not, not so good days and then better days. So it's kind of navigating that. So living life in light, this title is about like, here are all the things, all the techniques, the tools, the concepts, this, you know, spiritual that I found in my life that have helped me on this path to live life in life, quote unquote, as an ideal, as like, this is, you know, this connects me to the light. Doesn't mean I like one of the things is gardening. You know, there's so many different things, but does this mean that I'm a hundred percent living my life in life? The answer would be no. And the other one more thing that I tell my students is um, if you disconnect, if you do something, this is something so silly. Maybe it's your friend's birthday. You go out or it's carnival, you know, in New Orleans. I lived near New Orleans or Brazil and you overdo it. You overindulge and then you, you know, totally kind of disconnect from the light for two, three. Okay, you're aware of that. So now, okay, we did that. You're human. That's part of human being. We're spiritual beings having a human existence. So that now that you know that. What are you going to do next? Okay, so maybe for the next two, three days, you're going to go to the infrared sauna. You're going to drink more coconut water. You're going to now not drink anything for alcohol or anything like that for many days. You know, so you do the opposite so that you come back to a state of equanimity, to a state of more balance, like we were talking, you know. So at all minutes, we are disconnecting and we're connecting and disconnecting. And I don't want people to be judgmental about that, but just have an awareness of what you're doing what do you think is the purpose of life the human experience i think the human experience is to take care of our planet earth is our home i think the trees are sentient beings i think the plants are sentient beings i think all animals in the animal kingdom including humans are exactly the same nobody deserves more than the other and I think that we really need to, as a, now there is a thing that the humanity, humans, we have this, this sort of uh, intelligence that I wouldn't say is more intelligent, but I would say it's a little different, like, cause we can build like uh, houses and cars and airplanes. So with that, I should say there comes a responsibility and the responsibility really should be to primarily take care of our planet. Like it is our home because it is as it is, you know, and the waters, not pollute the waters. Like we have to make choices every day. If you can only, if your life can be just about enhancing people's lives around your life, people's lives around you and the planet, then that's an amazing life. That's an amazing life. Everything else is bonus. Everything else is like, wow, you can paint that beautiful painting. Wow. You can, you know, teach an amazing yoga class. Like I I, I teach yoga, but whatever, whatever it is, have an amazing podcast, do all these things are amazing, but it starts with something so basic. We have to make the world a better place. And I know it sounds like very cliche, you know, but it's important. That's why I think 
We are here to heal the planet. I think what I'm also trying to say is that human beings, we are so smart. We have the capability, right? We have the capability of stepping up, of like taking care of whether it's a dog or a turtle that you see in the middle of the street and is about to get hit by a car or, you know, or maybe like uh, going and helping, you know, clean water, donating money if you can't donate time. But it's time that we all become more awakened in that sense, like every day. Oh, I love your message, Natalie. Beautiful wisdom, profound wisdom, true wisdom to me. So thank you for that. Thank you. Well, I love all you're doing too. And, you know, I love your podcast. It's so beautiful. All the guests that you're having, it's a, a lot of really good energy and you're very focused, right? If we are to make big chains, we'll be together. You teach yoga. So I noticed that there are many different kinds and styles of yoga. So I'm wondering why and how do we choose one? Mm-hmm. It's a really good question, Valeria. So the the yogis have something they call the margas. The margas, like long story short, are different yogi paths. One of it is yana yoga, which is the yoga of wisdom, which means you could just, a great example of that is a philosopher called Krishnamurti, who is, you know, the age is like a writer. Just, I'm going to try to give examples of different people. Then we have karma yoga, which it's just like the yoga of doing, doing for others of service, not doing because you want the like saying, oh, I did this. I'm going to get an award kind of like that, that doing when you do something that maybe not nobody even knows you did it, but you're just doing it. That's really good karma, right? Service or serving or, maybe, or even when you go, um, uh, give your time, but sometimes people don't have time. Okay, do give your money, however you want to help, you know, the world assist. I don't even like the word help. It's more like assist, contribute. That's karma yoga, which is really beautiful. And a great example would be like Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. And then we have Hatha yoga, sometimes known as Raja yoga, which is uh, it's all the physical practice. And when I say physical, it's not just the asana, the posture, but also pranayama, which is breath work. That's also considered physical. And all the kriyas, which are like cleansing, different cleanses techniques for the human body, which comes from a book called Yoga Pradipika. And then there's a lot of cleansing techniques there. All of that is under like the umbrella of like Raja Yoga, Hatha Yoga. And I'll go back and because I know you're asking more about that one. So, and then we have, uh, so we have karma yoga, yana yoga, hatha yoga, and bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga is the yoga of the heart. It's like devotional. You see a lot of the kirtan players, uh, musicians, you know, really devotional. So I say this because it's important to understand that yoga is not just the postures, right? It's one way. And you don't have, margas means different paths. You don't have to to be one of these that I said. For example, the Hare Krishnas, if you've ever seen the Hare Krishnas, they're very like bhakti yogi. They're very bhakti yogi. But they're also very yana yogi because they study the Bhagavad Gita. So you can be all of it. You can kind of be dancing or just one. Sometimes when yoga got really popular in the United States, for example, then it was mostly, you know, for a lot of people, not everybody, obviously, but for a lot of people, more like the Hatha yoga. Under the umbrella of the Hatha yoga, there's now hundreds of different types of uh, physical asana practices, which if not thousands, you know, I have no idea how many, but a lot. But one, for example, to answer your question, so you have hot yoga, you know, the Bikram style, you have Ashtanga, which is very vigorous. You have just young, the more like you have more restorative practices. Then you have flow yogas. You have all kinds of different yogas. And I think that there's, again, really no right or wrong, especially because I say this from a place of really, um, I've seen thousands of people that I have mentored, students and teachers and people I've worked with. And there's yoga nidra that's totally relaxation. I mean, all of them are great. I, I just feel, I say, Iyengar yoga, Lyman. Oh my God, there's so many. But I just feel that just finding a practice that resonates with your body and find, finding a practice that maybe in that moment of your life resonates with your mind, like your mental, emotional state and everything. So that 
plays a big part. You know, people who are younger, they, they, and they're very active and they're very capable physically. They might gravitate towards like, um, a power yoga practice. You know, people who, who maybe are different age, their bone density is changing. Everything's a little different. Maybe they want something more, um, calm, more soothing. So, you know, it's all good. It's just about finding one that works for you. But I also want to say something that came to me recently. And when I mean recently is maybe the last like five years. I used to think it was only like, okay, different styles, whatever style is for you at one time. But now I've had this realization that it's also like the teacher. It's also who do you gravitate towards? So the energy of the, the transmission of a practice that's so intimate and so beautiful, such as yoga, is so or meditation or something like that. The person, meaning where it's coming from, the transmission sometimes is even more important than what kind of style it is. So for me, at the point that I am in my life, you know, I want, I understand from a very deep level that everything is frequency, everything is vibration. And I don't want anything in my energy field, especially if I'm like going to invest on it, my time and money and go and drive to a place or even do it on Zoom. I'm not going to be in any environment unless my heart space resonates with the person who's giving me that transmission. We have to be somewhat in the same frequency. It doesn't have to be like the same, but it ha- I have to feel... Because I tell you, some yoga teachers, just when they enter the room and they say hello, or a meditation teacher or whatever, that's it. Everything changes for you that day. So it's a transmission, you know? That's that's what I think people need to really ask those questions like, who are you spending time with? What are you watching on TV? Who are you taking yoga classes with? Who is it coming from? What's that part? Are they actually living are they living, you know, they're walking their talk. So in a way, Natalie, the yoga style will find us. Yes. Have you heard that thing when the student is ready, the teacher mm, appears? Right, right. And, and also, you know, when you ask for, when you ask, so wake up every morning, do your morning rituals, you know, uh, journal, even if it's five minutes. Tell the universe what you want. If you can't even speak it out loud, put it out there. I am telling you, once you ask, you just have to, like you said, just then be open to the messages, you know, be aware, but it will come. It will come and you will know, you will know, oh my God, so I was true. supposed to, you know? <laughs> so true. Yeah. I do believe that the universe, God, the creator, whatever we call this thing that's holding all this together, it's doing the work, it's doing what it's supposed to do. So I do trust that. What is love to you, Natalie? Um, love is, I think you have to love yourself first on a very deep level, which sometimes it requires forgiveness of not knowing better, of not doing some things that maybe you, you know, it's very easy to, to have some resentment, even from when you were childhood and then teenagers and or in 20s and 30s. And, and sometimes I feel people carry that resentment within themselves for a long time, many years, even, even if they're in mar- they're married and they have, they still have that kind of weird resentment. And I think we have to really learn how to peel the layers of the onion, which is our own self and clear, clear, which is why all these healing modalities are so important. Come to a place to really accept yourself for who you are. Uh, and forgive yourself for not knowing better when you thought you made the mistakes that you made, which is, you know, and learn to let go and release because it's a very important thing to let go. And, you know, I say this, but I feel like I'm still working through it, too, uh, because sometimes, you know, you think about your memories. Oh, I should have done this better or that better or that relationship. My first relationship, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, oh my God. Let go, let go, you're done. So love, love begins with yourself. And when you really learn and you really understand and you know how to love yourself, it, like with uh, unconditional love, even on the days that you show up and maybe you wake up and you're like in a bad mood, you were not the best of the human beings. You're like, oh my God, I should have known better. Okay, forgive yourself again. 
and know that tomorrow is a new day and you can start again and just love yourself unconditionally. And from that love, because when you love yourself, you can't help but love another. Then you will, everybody who comes across you, whether it's, you know, the bus driver, the person at the mailbox or whatever, everybody, supermarket, you will see them with love. You will look at them with love. And that's a completely different human experience, you know? We, we know this because you know when you're disconnected. Like, you know when you're kind of off, and then you go to the supermarket, you go to the pharmacy, you go this and that, and then everything's kind of off, people are off to you. And then there are those days that you wake up and you're really, like, in your, you know, you're aligned, you're, in, you're connected, and then everybody's nice to you, everybody's just in the state of flow, to me, that is love. Because if I say to you, okay, it's finding the most beautiful partnership in the world. Well, what happens when that person dies? You know, or what have what happens if you separate, separate, divorce, or die? That's a romantic kind of love. That's that's not. It's beautiful. But if you have love, you have love for that and for everything on a much bigger scale. So that is love. You know. I find it interesting the way you connect love to acceptance, forgiveness. So when you mentioned that, connecting that back to yoga in your book, you say yoga is a practice of radical acceptance, which you mentioned early in this conversation. And you also said with radical acceptance comes radical forgiveness. Yoga is a healing art. I love that too. How did you become mm -hmm. a writer? <laughs> Yeah, that's a very interesting thing because when I was, uh, I always loved journaling, especially when I was a child. And maybe it had to do with the fact that we were moving so much and I was maybe trying to find, I still have, I have maybe like five or six journals of, that I wrote between like the age of eight and like 17. <laughs> I think maybe it was me trying to find something a meaning, trying to understand the different countries, the people, the relationships, why I left this person. Maybe because I didn't have that, but I mean, I had really great friends, but because I maybe wasn't in one place the whole time, the, the journaling was my escape. It was my best friend. It was where I could really say everything I wanted to say, put it down, read it again, look at it again, understand myself. Oh my God, I thought like that a year ago. So that was a very interesting process for me. And then from that, I decided um, I went to college for dance, kinesiology and journalism. So from there, because the dance was always with me and I was like, OK, dance, fine. I'm dancing. I'm going to go to college for that, too. I had a scholarship for that. But the journalism was the part of me. I wanted print journalism that wanted to interview people and write. So I, in a way, I always wrote, you know, I always wrote in college. I was very into literature and those classes and so and then writing blogs so the book was actually a very natural organic process i'm writing i'm finishing like two other one planner and another book that i'm writing now about frequency and healing i think i'm gonna always write it was something that's always been there you know did you set an, an intention when you wrote your book living life in light <laughs> To set an, yeah, I set an intention for this book that, so what I did is I programmed this book. I went into a very deep meditational state and I, it wasn't just one day. It was, it was like a conscious intention while I was writing the book. I went into it and I programmed the book with distant Reiki energy healing. And my intention was that whatever household that this book would go to, that there is a healing light that is connected to it and it would light up the space, bringing this Reiki, Reiki, I'm sure the universal sort of love or sparkle of universe abundance and all that Reiki healing light into whoever came in contact with the book. So that was my intention that the book would be like an omen to whoever got the book. And another thing about the book is that you can read it from beginning to end, but the other intention was that someone could hold it connect with their heart space, take a deep breath, flip the pages, and then see where you land. And then that would be sort of the message of the day, you know, your message of the day. So, yeah. I love that. You see, I just, I just flipped the pages. I'm sorry to, and I and landed on balance. 
Mm. It's funny because we, and it's always like that, this book with me. Do you mind if I read this small passage? Absolutely. Yes, please. Okay. So I just landed, we were talking on, pa- on balance. So balance. Life is about balance, finding the equilibrium so that we can navigate this life in the most peaceful manners with its ups and downs. When you feel a strong emotion arising, say to yourself, this too shall pass. If we are not mindful, it is easy to get addicted to our highs and our lows. When you are addicted to your highs and lows, life becomes a roller coaster and nothing is ever good enough. We all know people who are so attached to their feelings and emotions that everything shakes them off their center. When we are depending on feelings at all times, we become less efficient in life. So in this book, we explore, we have explored and continue to explore the notion of your life as a mission statement. So what is your mission statement? Everyone has one. Find it. Once you know why you are here and what kind of legacy you want to leave on our planet, then you may you must navigate your ups and downs in life gracefully, elegantly, with the intention of staying grounded in equanimity and not losing your center. Yeah. <laughs> I love that too. <laughs> we were talking about In your book, in the end, you also have your favorite recipes section. That was a surprise Mm -hmm. to me. I do have a question. I have a few questions left. We're almost at the end. About vegetarianism, veganism. Is this something that's another path in a way, another way to live more in light? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, I mean, the... I, I, I promote plant-based foods and place plant-based eating, which is vegetarianism. And the, the reason is because I, well, one of the first concepts in yoga, it's a very big concept. It's called ahimsa and ahimsa means nonviolence. And so when you can say nonviolent, what is nonviolent? Oh yes. Don't steal. Don't go beat somebody. Of course, those are the very obvious nonviolence. But then let's dig a little deeper. Yoga and philosophy and mindful living and anybody who's connected to spirituality in a better way for all, then we have to go a little deeper and say, okay, what does this really mean? So if you're hurting someone else, you're hurting your own self. It goes back to that idea of love. So for me, is it's really important because all beings, all species, all animals, doesn't matter who you are, where you are. Also, doesn't matter if you're, you know, dark skin, human, lighter skin, human, what country you come from. The same goes for the animals. Doesn't matter whether you're a fish or whether you're a horse or a cow or a pig. I mean, we're all equal. That's the whole thing with equality. Equality is for all, not just in the human uh, being world, you know. So then uh, if an animal and then on a, on an energetic level. So why is it that I have the right why is it that I'm entitled to, you know, torture an animal, like, for example, like a pig, as an example, and then eat it? To me, to me, that doesn't make any sense because pigs are so smart. They're like smarter. They're as smart as dogs, if not smarter. It's just that, again, going back to what we were saying right in the beginning, the parameters, the limited, we were not raised that pigs are dogs. So, you know, although in some places, a lot of people, my friend has a, a pig as a pet. So everybody is different. But the, the also on an energetic level, because everything is energy, like I was saying with the yoga teacher or the meditation teacher, I also don't want to put anything in my body. And this is just from a selfish point of view, <laughs> kind of. I don't want to put anything in my body that the frequency and the vibration is not high. So what I would say to that, but I, I don't, I don't preach this and I think everybody has their own journey and you'll come to it when it feels right for you. But you know, um, if you are going to eat a fish, maybe go fish instead of go, go to a, a farm factory. You know, if you're even like, if you look at it in that perspective, hunting could be better because then at least the animals in the wild had a chance it's just the whole slavery of the farm factory that I'm like, I don't like it. But then also putting on my body things that are nourishing, like 
it's amazing when you make a great smoothie or a green juice or you may I love to make stews in the winter with lots of vegetables, root vegetables, like things that are good for you, kale. These things are great for our body. It's great for our digestion. I also follow Ayurveda. So, you know, these are very good for your digestion, good for your body, gives you more vitality. So those are the kinds of recipe I have in my book, just so that people can have choices. So they can make, you know, uh, I think we have like a kale chip in the book or some stews, some soups. So things that will be more high vibration, that you'll feel good when you eat it. kind to others or everything that's in here. In this reality, we are being kind to ourselves. And it works that way. I know for some people, like you said, they are not ready because some people, they get sick, actually, when they don't have meats. So that's interesting. So then they have to so then they have to be a responsible human being. That's what I would say to someone like that. I understand. But you then go be a responsible and enlightened human being since you're doing work in everything in your life. I'm assuming person like that, like, you know, you maybe you're reading the right books, you're connecting to the right podcast, you're a really good human, right? So then take it to like, okay, you know that you need this meat. So go, go research, go find where can I get this meat? That's the best meat. Mm. Maybe I'm not going to eat it like every day, but I'm, you know, because maybe it's more money, whatever, but have it a little more like quality over quantity mm. and mm. then find like, where can you go? The resources, find there's so many people that you can tune into. Um, Michael Pollan wrote an amazing book about this. It's called The Omnivorous Dilemma. And you can go find and read that book and see the farmers that he tells you to go sustainable, grass-fed. You know, go find things that have less suffering, less uh, of that mentality in it. Because also another way to see it is like if, if something is suffering would you want that in your body, which then becomes your energy, which then becomes your vibration, part of your soul, your light, your auric field, whatever you want to call it? No, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. So if go find things that are better. It's fine. We can all have our own eating choices, but we need to be responsible. Mm-hmm. Just take responsibility for being here. Like, oh, I'm, my life is going to enhance the life of other people on the planet. And if you know, not bring anything else down. That's another powerful message. Natalie, I believe that too, with all my heart. Yeah. I have two more questions for you, but before I ask them, would you like to add anything? No, I mean, this was a great interview and, you know, it's amazing. I just, the only thing I'd add and has to do with a lot of what we're talking, nobody's a victim. So it would be really great if we all get out of this victim mentality Life is happening right now. The world is changing. You know, show up, get up, get out out of your couch, show up, go smile, be nice to your neighbors, be nice to yourself. Like, see, look at there's so many information out there right now, so much information, right? Look, go look and find people that you believe in, podcasts that are great to listen to, books, find mentors that are just, they, you don't have to know them personally. They, now with the internet, you can find people all over, find people that, that they're a little bit ahead of you. They've maybe walked the path and you can connect with them and they can teach you. They can enlighten your life, connect you more to the light, listen to more podcasts like yours, Valeria, and just, just really awaken. It's time. All I want to say is that it's time. It's happening. It's not like tomorrow. It's not yesterday. We are the ones we have been waiting for. This is it. Thank you for your commitment, Natalie, to this beautiful <laughs> mission. Thank you. Yeah, I love your message and your wisdom. It's fun. But the it thing is, is you know, it, yeah, you know that. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, people think and it's like once you're in it and you're in a role, it's fun, man. It's like really fun. It's great. I feel so blessed, you know, to be on this journey. Mm, yeah, that's great that you added that fun component <laughs> because it is. I agree. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Absolutely not. I am in a place right now that I am surrounded by love. My animals, my plants, my beloved partner. I absolutely adore my family. I feel like I feel very complete. And uh, I would like if the, this was my last week, I would literally be right here right now. 
<laughs> I love that answer. And I, you know, and I love my community. I love, I haven't mentioned them, but my students, my community, some of them have been with me for two decades or plus. I am so blessed, you know. So for a situation like this, it is my duty to wake up and give back. Every day I have to give back. That's, I feel like I want to give back. It's just, you know, because life is beautiful. Yes, there's challenges, but everybody's going to have challenges. It's just part of life. But the simple things, you know, lighting a candle in the morning, getting my kettle with my water for my tea boiling and hearing that noise while I light an incense. That makes me happy. <laughs> fresh flowers, you know, fresh flowers are so beautiful. That makes me happy just to listening to you <laughs> about these things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we got to stop sometimes like, and I, I say this from a loving place, but I work with a lot of people too. And I'm sure you talk to a lot of people too. Sometimes it's almost like, something out there that trip or that house or that car once you get that that's going to be it's like no it's happening right now this is it make it beautiful every day is beautiful what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment that's like so it's i know this is gonna be not maybe the answer but it's so hard to know for sure anything <laughs> okay. yeah, i should say <laughs> should say that mm -hmm. what I know for sure is everything is always changing. And what I know for sure is that the only thing that I know that is for sure is the impermanence of things. And that is a deep concept. It's something that I have, I have had to be okay with, to sit in the seat of my soul with it, to also go back in meditations about my mortality about death, but not just about that, but that the possibility that this beautiful life that I just told you that I love and that I would be here the last week could vanish in a heartbeat. Because, you know, we don't know. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a hurricane that came by where I live. There's different things that could happen. Sometimes you see situation, you're like, oh my God, this twister came and took this house or or somebody you really love could all of a sudden be gone in a split of a second. To, to me, it's really, it's, it's a practice for me, a practice because it's not like I got their check, but a practice of like, be okay, okay, knowing that yes, you love this, but it's also impermanent and I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. That's okay. Thank you so much again, Natalie, for your authentic presence, for your profound wisdom, for sharing that with me and everyone else who will listen to this. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's so awesome. I was really looking forward to our co conversation today, Valeria. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Thank you. So my website is Natalie Crow, which is N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E-C-R-O-I-X.com. My Instagram is at Natalie Crow. And then my yoga training school, which we do everything virtually now. We have a lot of different online programs and offerings, including some coaching programs um, on the side of the training school, we do 200, 300 hour yoga teacher trainings and classes and membership online, all kinds of stuff that I can't even remember all right now. It's Shanti Yoga Training School.com. Shanti Yoga Training School.com. Living Life in Light is in Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, also Living Life in Light.com. And thank you. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Natalie. So we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Natalie Kwa and her work, please visit nataliekwa.com.